This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, friends. It's Annie Grace, and I am the author of This Naked Mind, and I am answering readers' questions. And today I have a question from Amy, and Amy asks, Annie, do you think you need to figure out where the addiction came from inside yourself before you can get better? In other words, all the stuff that wanted to ma- made us want to drink to numb, does it all have to be revisited or can we just pick up and move on? And I think it's a really good and profound question and the answer is probably not the same for, Amy, you're here and I'm answering your question, yay. Um, the answer is probably not the same for everybody, but I think It's a yes and no. Yes, we can pick up and move on. And yes, to some degree, we probably need to look at things. And I think the crux of the question has to do with how you feel about yourself. Because if how you feel about yourself is that you want to sort of self-destruct and drinking is one way we do that very frequently is we, you know, sure, we started drinking to numb and it all started very innocent. But once we feel stuck, once we feel like, We can't get out anyway once we feel like we start to not trust ourselves because we're making decisions we're not comfortable with. And once the cognitive dissonance of wanting to drink and not wanting to drink is really high, both in the situations where we're abstaining but making ourselves miserable and in the situations where we're drinking and making bad decisions and making ourselves miserable, our self-value plummets. And um, at that point in time, I think a lot of drinking can become punishment in a way and we don't think of it as punishment but that seventh eighth beer when you know you're going to get sick anyway you know doing it and just saying fuck it like what the heck you know those things are because you don't feel worthwhile and um so if there's things in your life that have led you to not feel worthwhile i think they need to be addressed the good news is that i think that you can overcome say an alcohol addiction and open up a lot more space in your mind and life to kind of deal with these things in a much healthier place um, and then maybe feed it with a sugar addiction or a Netflix addiction. So I think it's kind of like a lot of people have told me who are drinking or doing whatever they're doing to escape that they've actually found, quote, healthier addictions. I mean, I know people who have turned, you know, briefly to other things in order to kind of heal and get past that. But the main question is, are you punishing yourself? Because if you're punishing yourself, you need to get to the crux of why exactly that is and go along the journey of really truly healing yourself in order to get free from this. Now, I think that that journey, while it may be a little more teary and a little more intense, is quicker sober because you will be doing more work, you'll be more aware of it, you'll be more in tune with what's going on, and you'll be more able to dig deep. If you continue to drink, you won't be able to make progress. It'll be like two steps forward, one step back, or sometimes even one step forward, two steps back, because the alcohol is going to be messing with all the parts of your brain that you need to really heal that. Now, that being said, I also think that there's a lot of times where we can get caught in this, oh, I need to revisit my entire past, and I need to go back through everything. That that might be your path, but it might happen over years. And my husband, he's really 
actually pretty profoundly wise in some of this stuff. And when I'm struggling, you know, when you start to, when you stop self-medicating, there is a big, huge world that opens up because emotions are more raw. All of your feelings are more on the surface. Things that you didn't think used to bother you start to bother you. And you have to start to look at yourself because there's just no escape. I mean, no matter how many M&Ms or Skittles you eat, it does not have the brain numbing capacity that alcohol does. So he said, you know, at a minimum before you decide to do whatever you're going to do to, to medicate yourself, because, you know, he's kind of generally more supportive of me not being completely upset. He goes, you need to think about the absolute basics. And I think so often we assume that our bodies and minds just should be able to do everything all the time without the right and proper care. And to be honest, I think we've been raised in a society that's such kind of a quick fix entitlement society that in a lot of ways we weren't even taught the proper care. I mean, sure, there was probably a you know nutrition pyramid at school, but we weren't actually taught how to care for ourselves. And so part of this journey into sobriety is really about growing up. And it's about growing up in the sense of like, okay, I have this body and this brain, and in order for it to get me through the day without poisoning it and self-medicating it, I need to learn how to take care of it. And so my husband says there's three major things and ironically, he's been telling me this for years, but I've been reading lots and lots and lots on the topic. And across the board, all the scientists agree that there's three major things. And the first one is exercise. And it's exercise of both your mind and your body. Um, and so body exercise, scientists have proven that just one time a week, it's as close to a wonder drug for self-control as scientists have ever discovered. So the effects of exercise are absolutely immediate. They put people on treadmills, 15 minutes on a treadmill makes cravings reduced by I think like 70%, which is crazy. Um, it's been proven to be as powerful an antidepressant as Prozac and exercises actually increases the parts of your brain that help you get better. So um, both gray matter so brain cells are increased and the white matter which is interestingly the insulation on your brain that helps your neurons fire better and communicate with each other makes things more clear happier those actually increase as well during exercise so exercise is a really big deal and the really cool thing is that there's lots of evidence coming out from all sorts of different studies suggesting that even something as little as one minute a day of very intense exercise can have some of the same benefits. So um, we do Taekwondo and our grandmaster, he says, do something where you jog in place as hard as you can, just really go for it for 40 seconds, breathe for 10 seconds and do it for another 40 seconds. And he says, do this twice a day. This is the only prescription you'll ever need. And it's really true. It's literally 80 seconds of exercise, very intense exercise twice a day. And it's incredible the amount of how much that makes you feel better. Um, and then of course, mind exercise. So just five minutes of focusing on your breathing, closing your eyes and focusing on your breathing once a day has just phenomenal benefits. Three hours in total of doing this, so five minutes once a day, so that would take you six weeks. If you did it 10 minutes, it would take you three weeks. Um, it leads to improved self-control in basically all areas of your life. It is again, hugely combative in depression. And eight weeks of doing this means that your brain size actually increases in the parts of your brain that are vital for, um, for cravings. So your prefrontal cortex, gray matter brain cells in your prefrontal cortex grow after just five minutes a day. And I think the point of this is that so often we think, oh, I'm just bad at meditating. I can't keep my mind on my breath. Yeah, that's the point. 
being bad means you're good at it. Being bad is the point. Um, that's exactly what makes it effective is even if you come back to your breath one time during that five minutes and twice the next day, that exercise of returning to what your mind is, you've decided to focus on your breath. You can decide to focus on looking at a rose. You can decide to focus at looking at the clouds. Whatever you decide to focus on, if you train your mind to come back to it, that's the point. It's not about turning off your thinking. It's not about not having thoughts. It's about learning to come back to the goal of focus that you set for yourself and taking back control of your thinking very gently and without judgment. And again, that just has huge implications. So I'm telling you these three things versus exercise for body and mind, because I believe that yes, there may be a journey back into your past and back into your to, to really make yourself whole, but also you can do these things now. And it's amazing the difference just taking care of yourself and, you know, growing up in that sense can have for your overall well-being. And then you, like Amy's question says, we can just pick up and move on in most cases because yes, addiction started with severe stress, but it doesn't necessarily need to be relived. For some, obviously it will. So the other two things are eating. Um, I was in a big habit of skipping meals and that, guess what that does to your, especially when I was drinking, I would drink for me at my meals, but does it wreaks havoc on your blood pressure or sorry, your, your uh, blood sugar and um, just not skipping meals. And again, it's been proven that pl more plant-based um, food, more whole food closer to the source is a huge powerful antidepressant and actually helps your brain function better. So exercise, eating, and then surprisingly sleep. So just one night of getting less than six hours of sleep, scientists have shown that it is gives you something that they have a name for. It's called mild prefrontal dysfunction, and it's just being sleep deprived. But what that means is that um, the prefrontal cortex is the part of your brain that's responsible for good long-term decisions, the human part of your brain, it's a part of your brain that wins when you decide something for the future instead of a short-term quick fix. And missing just a single night's sleep or getting a really bad night's sleep makes it so that your prefrontal cortex actually loses control over the other more animal regions of your brain, um, the parts of your brain where cravings come from. So it makes you much less able to deal with cravings. And there's literally a disconnect between your prefrontal cortex and the rest of your brain. And one night sleep, getting it back can heal that. So sleep is massively important. Um, and then when you experience stress in any form, it makes your addiction worse. You know, guilt can make your cravings worse. And I'm going to read you guys something from this book I'm reading right now. It's called The Willpower Instinct. And um, it says neuroscientists have shown that stress including negative emotions like anger, sadness, self-doubt, and anxiety, shift the brain into a reward-seeking state. And when your brain's in a reward-seeking state, it's going crazy for that dopamine. And of course, dopamine is what is released by alcohol. And then um, it increases the excitability of those dopamine neurons. It means that when you're under stress, any temptation becomes more tempting and more difficult to deal with. And beating yourself up for whatever's happened in your life, especially regret over your drinking days is a huge way of introducing stress. So um, stress actually points us in the wrong direction. This author says, she says, away from our clear headed wisdom and towards our least helpful instincts. And that's the power of the one, two punch of stress and dopamine. We're drawn back again and again to coping mechanisms that don't actually work. And our primitive brains persistently believe that these mechanisms 
these dopamine, artificial dopamine release mechanisms, drinking, smoking, gambling, sex, um, are the gateway to bliss. So it's this promise of reward combined with the promise that uh, of relief that can lead to all sorts of feeling very badly and illogical behavior. And so she says that according to the American Psychological Association, we believe and as a nation, we turn to um, these things, gambling, shopping, drinking, alcohol, smoking, playing video games, eating and surfing the internet. Those are our main ways to combat stress. Now they did another study to say how effective was that and people rated it as very ineffective. So your brain seeks those things and thinks, oh, it's easier to pop this bottle of wine than it is to go to a yoga class. But actually, after you pop the bottle of wine the next day, you feel lower than you did before, which is something we, we really said. So the study goes on further to say that the most effective stress relieving strategies are exercising, playing sports, praying or attending a religious service, reading, listening to music, spending time with friends or family, getting a massage, going outside for a walk, meditating or doing yoga, and spending time with a creative hobby. And of course, the least effective are drinking alcohol, gambling, shopping, smoking, playing video games, surfing the internet, and watching TV. And so the least effective just release dopamine. And dopamine, of course, isn't a reward in itself. It's just the promise of a reward. And the most effective release serotonin, GABA, the feel-good hormone, oxytocin, and they help shut down the brain's stress response and reduce the stress hormones in the brain and introduce healing and relaxation. But because they aren't exciting, dopamine makes us excited. It makes us want to seek reward. We underestimate how good they make us feel. And so we forget about these strategies, not because they don't work, but because when we're stressed, our brains persistently mispredict what will make us happy. That means we'll often talk ourselves out of doing the very thing that will make us feel better. So I have a little strategy for you on this. And that is give yourself one time when you're feeling really wanting to let into a craving, really stressed, really upset about whatever it is you're upset about because this look back onto your past on everything that got you into addiction, it's fraught with stress. So if you're going to do it, you need to be taking very good care of yourself when you do it um, and make a determination that, okay, I'm going to do this other thing that I know has historically relieved stress for me. For me, it's running or exercise. And then right after you're done, get out your phone and leave yourself a voice memo about how you feel about how you feel about making that decision instead of drinking, about how you feel physically, about how your mental state is, and record that and give yourself that inspiration for the next time because your own voice and your own experience and your own words are gonna be infinitely more powerful than any book you read or telling you anything. Oh yeah, I remember, I, I did feel really good that last time. So um, I think the overall question is that Part of your path may be going back into your history, but in order to do that effectively without stressing yourself out, the most important thing right now, I would say, is to ensure that you are, as you would take care of a baby or take care of a child, taking care of yourself with eating right, getting enough sleep, managing your stress, and then exercising your brain and body, and just not assuming. I mean, it's so easy for us to assume in today's society that we can just do everything. We're told from every angle that we should be doing more quicker, faster, and, um, and actually, really, you should just be slowing down and taking care of yourself. And then maybe you won't have to go back as far or as deep. And when you do, you will be much more prepared to deal with it. So no, I don't think you need to, and I think stopping drinking in order to give you the space inside 
to deal with all of the stuff that got you into your drinking problem in the first place is really important. But stopping it without finding other ways to cope and other ways to take care of yourself and other ways to deal with the things you're self-medicating for, it probably won't work over the long term. So I hope that makes sense. It was a really long-winded, in-depth answer to a somewhat simple question, but I do feel like there's a lot of things we can do at the outset before we sort of look upon our past as this monumental, oh gosh, I've got to go revisit everything and thereby stress myself out and, and possibly end up drinking more than I was before. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com and please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.